here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Well, it sure sounds like James Bond movie a little bit, back in the 60s. Hello, world. This is TJ Mars with ET Radio, and our brand is TJ Mars ET Radio since 2012, and we now have ACO, ACO Radio. I'll have to get a man to make that, or we'll get Mike Ringley made. <laughs> I've got some wonderful friends here. We didn't have any dates tonight because most of us are over 60, but uh, <laughs> his counting. There's a doomed comet just fell into the sun. Watch the video here. Uh, that's www.space.com. Thank you very much. I guess they want me to know. So thank you. I appreciate that. I am real happy to have some friends so I don't have to be all alone. That's the whole reason I started the ACO Club. And in our ACO Club, we started social media, social paranormal. And uh, I've got old friends and new friends because I was a little Girl Scout, and I learned make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other gold. So uh, I'm learning about a mad painter, even though he's known as uh, T.R. Becker. But honestly, I've been learning that his name is really Thomas Reuben Becker, which is a pretty cool name. But uh, as an author, everybody that's in social media on uh, Revolution Radio, Revolution Radio, uh, we'll know a mad painter because he's been with this, this uh, revolution radio called freedomslips.com domain since 2012 when uh, Mike Ringley began on New Year's. I guess it was technically 2011, but New Year's Day 2012, I believe. And Thomas Becker has been uh, very loyal to Mike Ringley, and I understand Mike's been in ICU in the hospital having health issues. And so we wish him well, especially uh, at this day and time with a full moon. This is August 2019, for the record, August 16th, Friday. And my daughter had her birthday. She was born on Friday the 13th. But this year, on Friday the 13th, it wasn't a Friday the 13th. It was Friday the 16th, three days later. But I'm going to bring on the Mad Painter and hope Kimberly O'Connor can hear me. Kimberly O'Connor will be joining, joining us. She is our free social media volunteer online that helps us with the social paranormal ACO club and the not so paranormal ACO club with uh, Kimberly O'Connor moderating and she's admin of her group and uh, maybe a few others and she is uh, helping me on my deja vu and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight and my UFO association and ACO association and Thomas Becker is the general manager, not only an author and an artist, and you can hear about him in his YouTube, but uh, I'm going to be doing a little helpful marketing for Ace Metaphysical Institute and Invisible College in our cosmos with him. And we're going to talk about some stuff, but let me get him on here, and then we'll look for Kimberly to come on. Well, Thomas R. Becker, I'm on. Ed Painter, can you hear me? Yeah, Kimberly's called me and not the studio, so she's here with me. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
Oh, a lot of breakup too. We may have to get a call direct in. <laughs> Kimberly, the phone number is three four seven nine four five seven two zero seven. And you probably didn't even have it written down. But there's a lot of feedback too on this that kind of stuff. <laughs> so three four seven nine four five seven two zero seven. And uh, we'll have other people call in on that number the last hour if you'd like to come in, call in and talk to Miss Kimberly. We call her Kim around the station here. But uh, Kimberly, since I'm already talking to you, you want to say hi to everybody? And give she she done idea. dropped off. All right. She well, done dropped case, off so she could call in. Okay, good. Well, in that case, it'll be quieter because that was squeaking. And I hope it's not me squeaking, but I'll make sure my... Tone is down that will help the speakers on my high-definition audio device. <laughs> That's what it says, folks. Okay, Ahmed Painter, you can please introduce yourself so they can hear your voice and know that you are real or a bot. I'm not sure if I'm real or not, but they can hear my voice. <laughs> okay. Well, give them an idea of what you like to do on Friday nights. Or any time, really. <laughs> uh, I do a lot of research on the Internet. I'm, I'm pretty much on the Internet most of the time. Uh, I'm an author. I'm an artist, uh, talk show host, producer. I have a lot of fun on here. So Well, that's pretty much you about it. <laughs> well, you're going to help me grow this ACO club, right? That's something that's going to be fun, our Alien Stargate live podcast weekly. And our e-sign, and uh, you've got the Allied Command uh, with all the veterans and the auxiliary veterans helping us with our archives. We're going to grow this thing because we have a lot of needs. So uh, Kimberly O'Connor will help us talk about all this too. But Ahmed, why don't you she, tell people a little she, bit about – Join me again on Skype. <laughs> She says, what's the phone number again? <laughs> I got this now. I got this now. <laughs> well, you're, 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 you, you, I don't know what you've done, but you joined me again. I, I, I can get it right. Uh-oh, can't hear. 347-945-7207. Yeah, we can't hear you. You're breaking up. 347-945-7207. Seven two zero seven. See if you can try to call in again. So I don't. I wonder why she's hooking up to Skype. That's very interesting. So three four seven of direct line is uh, popping over into Skype. Very very interesting. They're going to talk about that tonight. So uh, Ahmed, is she dropped off now? No, she's still here. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm here. It's, she's breaking up though when she talks. It's going to oh, be yeah, she is. Go ahead and talk and for I, a second. I'm outside in my car, so I don't have any disturbances, too. <laughs> or so I thought. Well, I she's thought backing this up now. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> any better now? 
<laughs> yeah, we heard the we heard the dinging, and I said you're backing up now. No, I was turning my my car on so I could roll my window down so maybe I could get a better signal for you. <laughs> well, we can, <laughs> we can try it. Why not? We've had people all from all over the world call in, and we make it through. So you know, well, Kimberly, since you're insistent on sitting outside in the hot air, is it like it was over a hundred down here? 105 today in Gulf Breeze, Florida, in the Panhandle. So where are you calling from, and what's the weather like? Up here in Norwalk, it's um, probably about 75 right now. It's not too bad. Okay. Well, uh, welcome to our show. This is probably is – is this your fourth with our ACO club? Or do you – It uh, is. I know you did – it is number four. Yay. Mm-hmm. Usually, yeah, when you start, people, it's like, a, you know, an Alcoholics Anonymous, and you stay a year and you get that coin. <laughs> we have one of those <laughs> people, but they have to get 365 days in. <laughs> so it will give you a coin. So Ken's uh, supposed to be making those parts. <laughs> or nothing. So, Kimberly, tell people a little about yourself. Thomas R. Becker is already introduced himself but I, uh, I need to step away for a minute yeah you're gonna go get somebody to see <laughs> right okay my dog wanted to say hi okay coco enough kimberly can you introduce yourself because we're going to be really laid back tonight folks that's very informal yeah i'm kimberly o'connor i um I've had a lot of experience as far as uh, UFO encounters. I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot um, an abductee. And I have a lot of recall with those um, things, too, whereas many people just uh, will refer to them as dreams or not have any recall as their minds have been wiped of any memory, where I have still a lot. And... um, after those experiences, I also gained a lot of knowledgeable insight, whereas your senses are more heightened, you're more awakened after the effect of all these things happening. You see things a lot differently. So I try to help people understand, tell my story, let them tell theirs, try to get them help when it's needed as well, and being able to communicate on different levels um, helps out a lot as well. So we're just here to talk and share our experiences and try to get things understood a little bit better. Well, that's nice that you put it that way. Thank you. That's very healthy for me. I'm glad you said that. Now, Kimberly's known for other than paranormal life, but we will also share deja vu synchronicities that I started a little Facebook group, and I didn't realize through the years how much things have changed in social media. But Kimberly, Kimberly, how long have you been working in social media, especially on Facebook now that you're a moderator and admin for groups and trainer? Well, I I just started my own I just started my own group because of necessity. 
Um, but being on uh, Facebook, I've been on Facebook probably about um, since night or 2000, probably uh, 13 or 14. Actually, it's been longer uh-huh. than that. So they yeah, it's started been longer in than that. They started in 2004, yeah. right? We looked that up, right. didn't we? So right. 14 you years. Did. You did. Yeah. So I know I was with them from the beginning, and I stayed up till midnight to get my name. So I guess I'm a plank owner of Facebook. And then I stayed up all night to buy stock the night they went public, you know. And I didn't buy any. It was too darn expensive. <laughs> You know, to uh, try. So I was trying, but uh, anyway, it's okay. You know, not everybody can afford stock in Facebook, but we might as well because everything we put on there, pretty much what goes into Facebook stays in Facebook, I understand, just like anything you put in the Internet. So we'll talk about that too, folks, because we're going to talk about how far up the food chain do we think we go and how far down the rabbit hole. We're also going to talk a little bit about life after life and other paranormal things. And Kimberly and I are, are – I know this sounds funny, but we haven't even met in person, but that's par for the course in the social paranormal world. And uh, we love anything pretty much social paranormal phenomenology is more, I guess, phenomenology, anything. Unexplained mysteries, uh, Fortean for Charles Fort type interest. Uh, Phenomena that happens, uh, I don't know, Kimberly, give me some words, things that there's a gathering of people more so now than ever before, especially with the 50th year of uh, Woodstock. And uh, I was not a hippie. I was a NASA nerd. They called them NASA nerds, hippies, (laughs) beach boys. But uh, we had, uh, what do they call them, goat ropers and surfers. (laughs) <laughs> where I went to school in Houston, Texas. But give us some words that you know or can remember growing up around. Do you remember back, because you're only 10 years younger than me, but did they still have uh, bookstores? Because a lot of them have only recently closed down in the last 10 or 15 years, right? But we're talking over a 50-year time span. Well, you've got some that are still, they're sparse, but they're still out there. Um, that's just like the the uh, book wheel that used to go around um, it was like a little mobile library that had those and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of bookstores I, I'm, those were like my best friends because I'm one that I thrive on knowledge I need I can't learn enough and when I'm in a library or anywhere around books basically it's like uh, a euphoria Oh, me too. I grew up I'm in a big library. book nerd. You're a big I'm a nerd. Book nerd? I'm a big worm? nerd. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of us are. Anything that I can learn from. But now things are going electronically, and we're moving a lot of things now, and not, not really. I mean, we're buying ebooks now, those that like. They have the button on their phones for books, like Kindle books. That's the big thing now. And I want to talk about, you know, us using podcasting and helping people get more into their smartphones these days because, uh, 
there's a lot we can do in social paranormal media because, uh, you know, those just happen to be the topics we pulled out of the library, I guess, the books. Where did you always go? I mean, I know you you and I are like sponges and we like everything. We're all generalists that seem to meet everybody that knows a little about everything and uh, not a lot about any one subject. But at least where did you go to go find like uh, New Age, occult, metaphysical, paranormal, Wiccan, I don't know, uh, psychology? I, I, I think I used to go to self, self-help. In, in, in school, I would look for like, I don't know, Nancy Drew type mysteries, but I didn't learn about Heinlein or any of those people until real late. But just give me an idea of some of the authors that you liked on that mobile truck. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Back then, I I was too, I was young and just read everything I could get my hands on, really. I mean, at one point, even when I was raising my kids, they, I had, I had, and they had, probably about seven or eight different library cards at different cities. That's how much that we read. I mean, my kids were avid readers. My grandson's still an avid reader. Um, it's just something that it was real important to me because you could go through a, a lot of the subjects weren't even, weren't even um, categorized. And just like now, everything's a lot of things are um, put under the label of paranormal. Whereas the, there's so many subjects, and everything falls under one label, and it's hard to distinguish one from the other. So you got to know what you're looking for to start with. But libraries, I drained of anything I can get my hands on. And then when I started college, I couldn't wait the psychology and I went through their store, their bookstore, and everything, but that's limited. I was big on psychology too and sociology, but the people in the University of Alabama, I would go and wonder what's that class, and it always was across from something else. I was going to it seemed like they'd move it, and I was like, and I'd go and I'd third time. I was like, it was always uh, like uh, philosophy. But they said, you don't want to take that. There's no money in philosophy. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But philosophy, sound, I guess because it sounded, they were talking heavy. But I always was, I love psychology. So I did get some courses in psychology you know, all the way up till maybe the last time I went to school in 2007 or something, retooling in the 50s when I was your age. But you're only 10 years younger than me. I'm 67, you're 57. But we got a lot of people that are 87 out there listening to us, so we appreciate all you guys. Anyone that's in our age brackets, uh, well, what would we be? Now, I'm a baby boomer. Are you a baby boomer or no? You talking to man? No, you. All of us are baby boomers. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we're all in that that category. Oh, you're back, Ahmed. Was that what that buzzing was? You're coming back in the house? There was a buzzing sounded. But you're back, Ahmed. That's good. How did you know Ahmed that, was that? That was coming from Kimberly. I had to have my car on because I can see how much I had on me. I thought I turned the mic off, but I guess I didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if we're uh, 
I didn't look any statistics up, but people really do like to hear them. And uh, I used to be prepared and would look things up for the night. But tonight, folks, I'm going to be honest. I, I just guess we're going to play ACO Club, but we've got social paranormal educational entertainment alien stargate live part podcast tonight and that uh is because i'm not here alone there's kimberly o'connor and thomas r becker here with me and the three of us are doing the social paranormal aco club of the ace metaphysical institute invisible college in our cosmos now i'm not sure what that means so i'm gonna let my mad you got any idea what all that means <laughs> Uh, we're just looking for knowledge. Okay. We're looking for knowledge where there is none, or maybe where there is more like a sun. <laughs> a what? Sounds more like a what? sentence. Sentence, yes. Um, well, it was a sentence, but it was also a statement. I mean, that's that's what we're out here doing this for—is is to find knowledge and to spread knowledge. Right. Exactly. Well, how many? And there's so much out there. People don't even. Yeah, go ahead. I'm listening. People don't realize that they actually hold more knowledge than they realize. I mean where they they need to share and that's exactly what we're trying to do with this trying to just like Ahmad said to share what we know and let everybody else understand and we also learn from them because we're students and we're teachers every one of us no matter what age we are that's true and a lot of people don't want to admit they're students and teachers but it goes both ways inbound and outbound <laughs> Sure. If you're if you're sharing it, if you just sit and stagnate, that's sort of like being a mushroom. <laughs> but uh, you know, staying in the dark, so to speak. So it's pretty cool that we're doing this, and you know, this is it's a fellowship club, folks. But it is about learning. We're very into the library way of looking at life, being that this is just one big library. <laughs> Social paranormal educational entertainment. You know, people would be going, what is that? But a lot of people just didn't get really into it. They was, got into the matrix, and they took what they had to take to get what they needed, and, and that's okay because you can come in even with us, take what you need, and leave the rest, you know. It's okay, but with the Metaphysical Invisible College, there's a lot in the cosmos we haven't found yet. And then it's also for everything that you experience that you really can't necessarily put a finger or a word on or an attachment or feeling or emotion but we do go with levels and resonation inside the matrix there's the red pill and the blue pill and i thought that movie was really good we're going to talk about some movies tonight how far down the rabbit hole goes you know nobody really knows and how far up the food food chain goes and or you can say how far down the food chain and how far up the rabbit hole depending on if you watched Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> which way you're going. But uh, tonight, uh, I hope you guys get a good feeling for what we're doing because life can be full of um, uh, incidences or happenstance or uh, synchronicities, and there's balance out there. And a lot of people are realizing there's life after life, 
and a lot of people want to talk about things. And I'm going to tell you about movies. I've got down here that some people are shocked with the movies that they've seen. And uh, this tonight, I've got this is for you. You know, those that have seen movies, because I got the idea, actually, the other day, a man was talking to me, and uh, we uh, had talked. I didn't know a lot about him, because uh, even though we've worked together for years, uh, I've never really dug deep down his man-made hole, or his manhole. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. But there are forms of self-disclosure in this man-made world of delusions. And we're believing that the movies are made as soft disclosure, not only for entertainment after World War II, but we were talking about close encounters of the third kind. So we're going to talk about that tonight because it was released in November 1977 just by us doing a radio show, and that was shown to various groups, including in the U.S. Navy. So, Mad, why don't you start us off because I'd like to discuss the paranormal life and soft disclosure and everything that we're doing here with full of synchronicities. But uh, now you entered the Navy and you worked two or three years to get it out of the way, I guess. But at the same time, you said you joined the Navy to see the world. And I remember those commercials. So we may have been brainwashed back then. But you got to go to Spain and uh, Rome, and we, were, we didn't really get to discuss a lot. But tell people about how you actually saw the movie before I did. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, because I had to go to the hospital and breathe in a paper bag when I saw it. <laughs> so tell us, you were sitting on a Navy ship. Is that what was happening? Yeah. Uh, what they do is a lot of times the, they'll give the uh, people in the military the movies beforehand, before they're released, and they'll get an idea of the reaction of the audience. <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Kind was sent to our ship. And we got to see it a, a few months before it was released. And uh, the uh, clerk asked us questions about it, you know, after the movie, what we thought about it and that. And uh, he sent back in the, uh, what we thought about the movie to the studio. That, that's pretty cool. I didn't know they did that. Uh, I've been trained in the Navy. And when I went through in the 80s, I had I went to see movies about movies propaganda and how we got trained in uniform but it was in a theater in hawaii matter of fact i was in hawaii and it's beautiful there but you said the clerk now in the navy uh, he and i were in the navy now is that like uh, clerks are the ones that work in the office because uh, yeah. they t they keep yeah. up with what comes okay they do all the record keeping and stuff like that payroll and that kind of stuff Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Kimberly, where were you when the lights went out in Georgia? I mean, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You did see it, right? She's on Kimberly. mute. I'm going to push the mute button. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Where were you, everybody? out there listening to me tonight because we're going to do a lot of funny stuff because I want to know how it affected you because, like I said, I had to go to the hospital and breathe in a paper bag. Now, I've never done that before. and I, I mean, I've been to the hospital when I was a kid, but I apparently they said that I was the fourth person and there was people coming in after me. 
at this particular Rosewood, I think it was called Hospital Lane Westheimer. Are you off mute yet, Kimberly? Guess not. I wonder what happened. Uh, yeah, she was she was off mute, and then, and then she went back on it. She's messing with it. All right, he can see her. I can't, folks. I'm She's here. Not on my board. There you go. <laughs> yeah. What year did that come out again? November 1977. 77. I was in high school, but I remember going to the drive-in to see that. And yeah, that's a, that was a powerful movie actually, and From I think it that was about, that was about the same time. Yeah, I was in high school. I was in my sophomore year, but I was uh, that was a that was a couple years after I seen my my first uh, spaceship too. My UFO, the UFO that I seen, I was about fifteen years old. And that was like that. That movie came out like two years, two three years later. So yeah, it had an impact on me because that that right there was more proof that everybody knew. But even though it was a movie, the truth is still there. Well, explain that statement because I know what you mean. But I knew it. It affected me so much I couldn't breathe. And they said people weren't even breathing. I mean, I wasn't the only one, but a lot of people were deeply affected by that. And, uh, you know, at least with the Navy, they tried it out on people before they put it out to the civilian world, right? And he was part of that questionnaire. And I've had some of those I've done in Hollywood, you know, where I've been part of a lot of audiences. I think they're more of a Yeah, I They're think it was, they probably did that because they have they have. I said they probably um, showed the movie just like Matt said because they have a captive audience and they wanted to see their actual reaction, you know, instead of waiting for the public to see it, they already have a captive audience right there, and I'm sure that the guys in the naval uh, that was in the navy and other services they seen things that. And I know that they have because I've talked to them that um, many of us have later seen or seen before, but they seen it in, on a grander scale in a, many wide open spaces. Well, Matt, did you have any, did any of you guys talk about seeing UFOs on that Navy ship at all? Or can you tell us what kind of reaction did y'all talk about it after y'all left and Disbursed out of the room, or tell tell me if you remember anything. Oh yeah, it was it, it was uh, the talk of the ship for about a week. <laughs> well, you give, know, and give us, several give us people, you know, admitted several people admitted to seeing UFOs after seeing the movie. You know, they were weren't as uh, closed minded, and some weren't as closed minded after seeing it too. And, uh, I think the, the, the military is full of mm-hmm. the, the military is full of stories. I mean, you don't have much to do when you're stuck on a ship out in the ocean for you know month at a time. You know. <laughs> well, did you learn of any? Did you? Can you give us an idea? Because I want people to understand. Soft disclosure has been going on a very long time, 
And Steven Spielberg, I believe he had a deep insight with a lot of the guys in Ennead 9 and the group that came over and worked with Werner Earhart and L. Ron Hubbard and uh, uh, even the guy, uh, well, there's other guys. I can't think of them right now, but you know what I'm saying, right? There's always uh, well, uh, people that know, but go ahead. Yeah, many people believe that Spielberg and uh, you know several of the other uh, directors out there had uh, connections with the FBI, CIA, and the military, and uh, they were being fed information in order to give it out as soft disclosure. Right, I believe that too, and uh, uh, I don't think that people understand how this isn't new, but it's going to be uh, in the UFO community. We're going to the level of uh, we thought everybody would be awake, uh, at least in the, I don't know if you'd say, we used to call it the alien ET UFO community, and I wrote about it for years in the early 2000s, and we looked forward to Y2K, and I was a truck driver at that time, and uh, that's when I went and bought two trailers on 35 acres of land, stuck it up in the hills of Kentucky, because uh, I wanted to make sure I had a place to come home to if all the computers shut down. And I didn't think they were, so I was telling everybody they weren't. Of course, they didn't. But I, I don't even know why they did that. It was over something to do with computers and the time and uh, thinking that all the computers were going to shut down and some of the computers that were set. I guess to roll over, and uh, anyway, anyone remember, yeah, anyone of y'all remember that story? Y2K and the, uh, why everybody was concerned in 1999. Does that begin the millenniums or, or during the millennium? Well, yeah, it's uh, most computer programs end in a zero, and they were they they figured they weren't sure that the computers weren't all going to shut down when it turned to the date 2000. Because it and the computer programs end in zeros, and they thought you know possibly everything was going to shut down because it, of the zeros. Yeah, that's what it was. All about nines and zeros and the way they were set, and that was based on the dates that they had programmed in them or something. Like we have the yeah it's, nuclear. It's, Go ahead. The. A computer program is binary. It's zeros and ones. And at the end of a program, it's always a double zero at the end, which cuts it off. So they were afraid that it was going to cut everything off when it happened. Well, but I they think freaked out when it comes to the Mayan calendar, too. Yeah, you want you want to talk about that? Well, when the when the Mayan calendar um, ended, they everybody started freaking out, thinking that was going to be the end of the world because that was the last uh, year the Mayans had uh, written about. But that didn't come to pass either. I mean, everything no. – you hear one thing. Yeah, now that was a big confusion because that was that particular calendar, and there's a longer calendar than that that goes on for another thirty or forty thousand years by the Mayans, and that was just that particular at the end of the calendar, and then it starts over again, according to their 
beliefs. Right. You know? And it was the end of one age and the beginning of a new age, see? But everybody jumped on it's the end of everything. <laughs> well, the right, but they don't realize that right. you can only hold so much on one thing. I'm sorry, Kimberly. I didn't catch that. I said that they don't realize that when you do a calendar, it can only go so far before you run out of space. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Right. There that's, was other that was, ones. That was a, well. uh, the, they call it a Bakhtun. I'm not, I could have right. this wrong, but they discovered another calendar that they had that goes up further on. What a lot of people don't realize is what we see as the Mayan calendar was actually just a stone carving of, of the actual calendar, which was a, a movable mechanical object. And what everybody sees with the face on it and that is just a uh, carving, you know, a, a statue of it. The actual calendar moved. Well, I haven't. I've, I've studied all that back then, but I don't remember anything about a calendar moving. But that's pretty cool. It, you don't mean like a sundial on it. You mean did they have like the uh, Anticaceras uh, mechanism? And, yeah, yeah. It, it actually rotates. They they actually turned it each year, and it, it each area showed each ring around it showed a different. Uh, relationship with the with the stars and it depended on if you know a certain face came up at a certain date they you know considered that would be you know maybe a lucky day or a bad luck day or this day you better not plant i mean it was it was pretty elaborate yeah yeah they used to almost like what we do the farmer's almanac right it was used like an almanac that's pretty cool. We're doing ancient history and new thought teachings all in the Ascension Age. So we expected the Ascension Age based up on the word Ascension that we people thought uh, the world was coming to an end in 2000, but we called it uh, we called it all the Age of Aquarius, which is really based on sun signs and going into Aquarius. And I guess that's still called the Age of Aquarius. And uh, in today's time, of, you know, I never liked the word New Age, but there's a whole history on that too, folks. But now, after 1221-12, because of what we're talking about right now, is uh, ages and eras and time and the Stargate to the cosmos and the alien Stargate and uh, life after life and Steven Spielberg and where were you when Close Encounters of the Third Kind movie was released as Soft Disclosure. And uh, those of us in the Navy uh, back then are uh, coming together now in the Ascension Age and finding each other in synchronicity, deja vu, uh, uh, synchronous happenings. And that is also part of the Ascension Age. Can you hear that? Oh, we sure did. Well, I don't know where that came from, but I've heard it on my phone before, but I have no idea why it just – I didn't touch nothing. 
And that sort Is of somebody me, calling so, you? Not me this time. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it didn't buzz or ring. It, it's uh, that was Harry Potter music theme, <laughs> and I hadn't heard that in a long, long time. So that was sort of coincidental. I was just talking about deja vu coincidental and. Uh, people, that is part of the ascension age. A lot of things are going to happen that we don't really know how or can explain. And I'm sure there's a logical explanation if you are programming my phone, which I know that that is one of those sounds that I used to hear when my phone would ring. But uh, I took it off a while back, and so it's stuck in there somewhere. But I I couldn't tell you. I didn't touch anything. I'm uh, sort of shocked that it played just then. So I guess we should mention <laughs> that during the Ascension Age, there was going to be more magical things happening, and this is very true. And uh, now, Kimberly, I would like you to get used to telling the story of what happened recently, of even how you wound up on my radio show. But I tell it one way, and you tell it another. But we had that dream night, too. I'm sure Mad was here to remember, but I'd like I'd like us to tell the story of how we met, or what you can remember about that story, and then I want to see what a Mad remembers. And then this is we're gonna this is gonna be like the uh, mandala effect, but I just want folks. We talked about all kind of weird social paranormal stuff, but Kimberly, tell people how we've never met in person, but just hearing this phone, right? You know how we. What what do you remember? How did you wind up on this radio show? Well, from what I understand, I you sent me a a friend re- request and but you said you didn't, but one came up and I answered it, and things just snowballed from there. And there was a lot of things that were similar that we have uh, in common, and it just went on from there. Um, the paranormal areas is what we usually talk about. And since that's, uh, the UFOs fall, I guess, under that category or label, I should say, as many of them like to call the UFOs paranormal, but instead of, I, I refer it to them as being more normal than paranormal because that's really what they are. Just because you can't tangibly touch something, that doesn't mean that it's just not there. Well, that's true. Perfect. Imagine what do you remember about me and me and Kimberly? What's what's your story if you had to repeat it? Well, it, it, you had uh, said that uh, you uh, got a ding on your phone, and that it was Kimberly, and. Uh, that Kimberly said she got a friend's request from you. <laughs> you know, it it happens. Uh, I've actually gotten a, a a message on Skype. Uh, uh, what do you call it? A talking message for another host from a guest, and I ended up interviewing him myself. I mean, stuff does so, happen. Uh, we just really don't weird. know. I mean, yeah, you can explain it logically, or you can uh, scientifically look at, you know, just 
get the facts, stupid, like, you know, keep it simple, stupid, you know, just accept it for what it is, is what we do. But then some of us like to look at it, tear it apart, find out all the details, time it, give it a linear timeline, and, you know, finding a fact on every little thing. And it's each person you ask will be different. And that's when we started talking about the mandala effect. And now, Ahmed, tell us what you think the mandala effect is, because that came and went pretty much trending, but people have accepted it. And I'm sure there's movies being written about different things. Timelines and stuff. Well, yeah. And I'll let Kimberly. As far as the Mandela effect, it, it's supposed to wear off, and things are supposed to uh, mellow down, and people are supposed to forget about it, according to what uh, I understand. Uh, what happened uh, is up to debate, but a lot of people believe it was CERN, and that CERN had altered something in uh, physics, which causes a Mandela effect. And it was possibly two timelines merging together, or two two dimensions merging into one. And the reason some people remember certain things uh, one way, and other people remember things the other way, and it takes some time for it to all blend together to where you don't pay any attention to the fact that, that it had happened. <laughs> kind of strange. Okay, let's. I've got. That's your deja uh, vu right there. Yeah, and tell me, what do you know about the Mandela effect or Mandela Nelson Mandela effect? Why it's called that or anything, Kimberly? Did you, you know what we're talking about, right? Yeah, but it's hard to explain. For for me, it's hard to explain. I mean, like I said, the best way I can see it or explain it is deja vu. Or like a bleed through from one time period to another. Okay, and then basically, That's the best I'll way give you. Can... Okay, now I'll give you the uh, accepted story written type of uh, generic. Why we call it the Mandela or Mandela effect was uh, there was an event happening, uh, and uh, you can all look it up. And uh, I used to even know the names when it happened because for some reason the story was real important, uh, I guess because I'm into social, paranormal, educational (laughs) entertainment, and I'm uh, putting an organization together called Alien Stargates, but it has to do with events too. And these people were like at a – I used to know all the details because that's the kind of researcher I am, but I can't tell you now, and they didn't stick. And I can't tell you why some things stick and others don't, but I hadn't planned on talking about it tonight, or I would have done some research and put it back in my head. But uh, And I'm not going to look it up or anything because I'll mess up my computer because i am uh, got to keep it low on the vibrations on my laptop right now to run the studio. But basically, Nelson Mandela, who was very well-known in Africa, uh, was one of the leaders, and I won't go into all the history of that either, but uh, apparently during a certain time on Earth in Africa, and he was leading and apparently was put in prison, and uh, the discussion at one of these events was that uh, he was dead. He He wasn't alive at the time they were talking, and other people were going, no, he died in prison. He's not alive. And uh, the other people are going, yes, he's alive. And they're like, no, he died in prison. 
So that was one of the stories that made some, you know, the rounds of the people, the journalists that put That was the, the first one that made attention that was, to, that, to, to that, the fact. That, that's why it was named the Mandela Effect. There you go. So that's the first one that people started talking about because it probably it was an event. Is that what you would say? So it depends on who's writing the story and getting all the details, but it well, yeah, some like some people, yeah, some people believe that he died in prison. Like I, that's what I believe. But according to this timeline, he didn't. He got out of prison before he died. I have to admit, I was pretty shocked <laughs> when I found out. I remember when I saw him with a bunch of crowd and a lady and a walking, and I was like, "What?" I mean, it stunned the heck out of my head because I was like, "Wait, didn't he die?" I thought he died in prison. So See, I know that's what I thought. It, when I was a kid, we had Jiffy peanut butter, which was spelled J-E-F-F. -F. Now it's Jiff peanut butter. So you thought it was Jeff, or you're saying there was a J-E-F-F? -F? No, that that's what it was when I was a kid. We we would have you would have Jiffy peanut butter, but according Jiff to our timeline now. There was never a Jiffy peanut butter. It was Jif, J-E-F. I well, remember the same Jeff. thing. You're right. Jiffy. Well, I remember Jiffy peanut butter. Uh, are some people – I do remember there, There's no kids. such thing. You, you go check. People there's no such yeah. thing as Jiffy peanut butter. So they say choosy people choose Jif. Is that the commercial? That's the com that's what you hear today. Whoa. No, I've got Peter Pan creamy in there. There was uh, two for six, I think, at Winn-Dixie across the street. But it was uh, crunchy and creamy. And I had to pull way back to the back to get the creamy because I think they had more, four, you know how they put them in the half boxes, like 24 in a box or something, cut down, and, the, uh, and there was more crunchy been creamy, but it's Peter Pan peanut butter, and it used to be a big thing to have uh, when my kids were growing up have Jiff or Jiffy and Peter Pan. And I'll, I remember telling them, "Do y'all want Peter Pan or Jiffy?" You know, when we could afford it, because most of the time they got generic. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so things happen for a reason. And this is part of our social, paranormal, educational entertainment. So how we're getting our ACO club started is if you like this kind of stuff, these are topics. And uh, I've put social paranormal, and I've got started socialparanormal.com years ago. I don't know if you all remember or not. And I would hide Easter egg. Uh, I would hide knowledge all over the Internet because I had uh, worked before we had the Internet, and I remembered it coming out. And using uh, my first uh, laptop was a uh, K-Pro, K-A-Y-P-R-O, in a metal box. And I'd clip the keyboard off the front of the metal box and uh, teach people in the Navy how to use them writing DOS, <laughs> D-O-S. And it was a little bitty screen, and it was green color. And then I've had other people say, no, it was uh gray screen and white and other people say well 
that's not the way I remember it. So even the colors of the screen, if you remember, both of y'all are the well. You're my age anyway, but Kim's ten years younger. But do you remember anything about the first computer you had, Ahmed? Do you remember? I remember some of it, yeah. What was it like uh, a tape I I don't even remember what the name of it was. Uh, well, I know we had to have started. a caddy and put the phone in it. <laughs> and the okay, only thing that was, was, that was the, the whole internet, the whole internet was only a couple of colleges. Uh, yeah. It was more like a, a a message board than anything else. In the beginning, well, my what about a keyboard, uh, Kimberly? Because you, you're not, you don't have a computer now, but I'm sure you have. But did you ever own your first computer, or work on yours, or your grandmother's, or libraries? Tell me what you remember about computers in your head. Ten years younger, a landline, <laughs> a landline. That's for sure. You had, to, you definitely had to have one, or you didn't have any access to anything. They don't have. We didn't have computers like what they do now. We didn't have them in school like they do now. My first computer was basically bits and pieces. Um, I used to go to the library and use theirs first, and that's how I first, by doing a lot of uh, readings for people, I ran into some people, some uh, people online that actually brought me a computer my my first computer and they were from indiana and i sat and they got hotel rooms and i did readings for them for all night basically on different subjects on you know with different spirits and everything calling on their families and stuff that's what i did and then how did that they gave you a a piece of pieces to put together because there was you didn't have a laptop did you it was like the old days the I've never owned a, yeah I've never had a laptop you had the big the big tower you had the big monitor you had everything everything was just big and putting it together was moving it was a, a pain but yeah it was different it's a lot different than now I mean Computers are the size of of a watch. Literally now on your <laughs> on your wrist. But I remember in college they did. Uh, now this wasn't in the 80s because back in when I went to school and they uh, and back in the 60s at NASA, 1967, 68. They used to have them. The the whole room would be a computer and water coolers. They'd like to keep it. The rooms would get warm. They're all it was real hot when you'd walk in or warm. They're always trying to keep the rooms cool. You know, uh, Ahmed, did you see any big computers in the seventies in the military at all or at, oh know, any yeah single yeah group? big old i yeah big old IBMs. <laughs> Yeah, had to had the spools that had to be replaced. <laughs> wow, so that they were around, and uh, yeah, so we've come a long way with a lot of things. But I think the most impressive now 
is due to, uh, I'll just say it like this, folks, to make it easy, you can't believe everything you read. We talked about the Mandela effect. You can be on different timelines, and we'll be talking about things like that in our ACO club, which stands for many things, including Ascension Center Organization and uh, Alien Contact Organization and Allied Command Organization are the big ones for me. And now I've got American Communications Online as a company to do exactly that, is to help us collect all these stories and uh, uh, phenomena and have a metaphysical group here where I live and meet. And I've got a group, Gulf Coast Metaphysical Group, I believe, but I haven't met with everybody yet, and I've already had the Mandela effect where some people said we did. And I remember going to the library, and then my daughter got sick, or no, the dog died. Yeah, we had to rush the dog to the hospital, and he didn't make it over the three-mile bridge between Gulf Breeze and Pensacola. He died in the middle of the bridge. But the night before, he came in looking at me, and he was eating and walking into the wall and eating paper. It was really strange. We thought maybe... Uh, he got some, but I read up on the, the type dog he was, and uh, they have some kind of brain hemorrhage or something like that. But the fact is that the things that I remember sometimes, the way they do, it becomes with the most strong emotion. And we're going to study that in our metaphysical groups because emotions at the time are something uh, very melodramatic or some drama at the time can help you imprint in uh, these rewiring of your brain, the plasticity. And we've learned that we used to think old people got old because of the uh, hardening, like of the arteries and hardening in the brain, you know, and the neurons and protons and things like that couldn't flow, so to speak, you know. But now we know so much more that we don't believe a lot of the things we used to be told. They become like old wives' tales and folklore. So, you know, it's just information that gets dropped in scientifically. But uh, we're going to also share hope and faith and the seriousness of why we even have emotions. And I've got to go to the neurologist because uh, I've always been a uh, pre-nuptial agreement. Yes, and that's me, all right. A pre-cog. Uh, like uh, the, the Minority Report. Was that it, Minority Report? Or was it, uh, yeah, I think it was with Tom Cruise, where you see the ladies in the circle in the water. Was that Minority Report? Uh, Kim, did you see Minority Report with Tom Cruise? Or you know the movie I'm talking about? No, I didn't. Um, I know the Matt, movie you're talking about. It's precognitive of... Um, Precognitive uh, intuition, right? Knowing Whereas things you, are going to happen. You can, yeah. Before they do, it's you like stepping forward them. and or having a bleed through. Okay, yeah. So we could talk about timelines and linear time and uh, that man-made illusions and delusions and uh, what uh, paranormal life really is uh, versus uh, synchronicities uh, in life, but let's talk a little about that because some people that are spiritual and understand precognition 
our uh, even divine experiences, a lot of my friends uh, that are older, our age or older, don't want to talk about things that are to them messing with the mind of the third kind or the uh, level higher levels in various groups. And you know the Navy did, and you know the Army did. So the military it had Russell Targ and remote viewing, and that's what Project Pegasus was a lot about, is uh, skipping over timelines and traveling down the rabbit hole and things like that. So I don't know how much y'all know about any of these social paranormal stories out there we discuss in paranormal groups, but uh, these projects, and we're going to start naming our own projects, but... Uh, Let's talk a minute about Kimberly. Do you know anything about uh, the skipping the timelines or uh, how the history goes or anything to do between? Uh, it's everything we've discussed and bringing it together where people are saying that you can uh, in quantum physics, like Tom Campbell theory of everything, Michio Kaku, and they're talking about all this deja vu and stargates. Somebody's calling in. Let me see who it is. But, Kimberly, go ahead and talk about that. 909, you're on the air. We're going to talk to Kimberly about jumping timelines. Who's this? This is Tessa. Hi, Tessa. Tessa Dick? Yeah, you recently reminded me about your show. And I was listening and heard you talk about Minority Report. Oh, good, Tessa. Thank you, everybody. This is the famous, uh, one of the most famous dickheads I've ever known. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, my name is Teresa and hers is Tessa. But Tessa Dick, you've probably seen her played or portrayed in movies. Uh, Philip K. Dick is one of the most famous people in my line of work. He's so famous that uh, he's like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And uh, they made movies like Total Recall, Minority Report, uh, oh gosh, uh, Blade Runner. Blade uh, Runner. <laughs> Tessa Dick is the chick that can tell the story. So, Tessa, I'm so happy. Kimberly, this couldn't be a more famous deja vu night and a mad too. So, Introduce yourself. You know how to do this, lady. You're in radio. Oh, well, I'm worn out from the uh, second Philip K. Dick Festival in Fort Morgan, Colorado, where his Phil's father uh, used to live a long time ago, and uh Phil and his twin sister Jane are buried there in Fort Morgan. Anyway, it's uh, apparently every two years there will be a festival to celebrate his life. Well, keep going. Tell us who you are and how you got involved. Well, I'm wife number five. Neither of us ever remarried, but uh, when he moved out and rented an apartment for his girlfriend, I figured I should divorce him. (laughs) Uh, Phil 
had some extraordinary experiences during our marriage, but they were neither the first nor the last, just the most spectacular of paranormal experiences that he had throughout his life. Um, And uh, there are lots of movies that are supposedly based on his work, but the only one that's truly faithful, well, I guess I have to say a scanner darkly, but I don't think they understood the point of the book. But the best is Radio Free Albemuth. It's from one of his Vallis novels, which didn't get included in the Vallis trilogy because nobody asked me what should be in it. <laughs> anyway, it, it's um, Radio Free Albemuth. There's a... Um, an independent film made from that novel that is really good. And and I well, think tell- they get it. Go ahead. I was just going to, uh, well, yeah, mention anything you can because we're you know live recording, and I am a researcher <laughs> and an archivist, not to mention an author and writer, and great, great fan of, of being a dickhead someday. But I'm still not a dickhead. But after <laughs> talk about his books and the family, fans are called dickheads for Philip K. Dick folks. So for all you nerds out there, but uh, Kimberly, you know who we're talking yeah. about, right? Ooh, where's Kimberly? Oh, uh, she's on Get mute. Here. Oh, I'm listening. I'm learning. Oh, okay. You you know Blade Runner, right? The movie? Yeah. yeah. His novel yeah, was absolutely. titled Yeah, the novel was titled Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And that's um, why they named Oh Tessa, that's why they named me my show. Oh my gosh. I just got it. Um uh, on, on, you got it. Well, yeah, but uh, Clyde Lewis had me on his radio show. I, I don't do that many shows, but I agreed to Clyde Lewis' show out on the East Coast. And he put, uh, what do aliens or what do ETs dream of? I think he said, uh, or do they dream of electric sheep? And they put little sheep up there. So that was my claim to fame. <laughs> and I had no yep. idea it had to do with Philip K. Dick. I'm so honored now. Thank you, Clyde Lewis, if you can hear me out here in Tessa Dick Land on the Wash. I think he's in Washington yeah. or Oregon. You know who he is? I've Clyde been Lewis. on. I've been on Ground Zero twice. Clyde Lewis's show. He's a great guy. Well, he was um, so sweet to me. He, he treated me like royalty. Did he do that to you? Oh, makes you feel like oh like yeah. You're, what he's got a style. Oh my gosh, folks. Talk about an officer and a gentleman, not, but he uh, he just has this <laughs> makes you feel like it's an honor to be human. Or alien oh, you're walking and the hobby. <laughs> I got to be on coast to coast finally. 
Yay! Well, you you deserve it. You deserve it because you know the real deal. I was on with Jimmy Church on a Saturday night. You know, a fill-in host. Yeah, I know Jimmy Church. He's a friend of mine on social media, and he talks to me a lot. He asked me what I was going to do. He said, who's going to write the uh, business plan? I said, you write it. <laughs> my, my club, oh. the Alien Stargate and all that, the uh, Allied Command. Oh. That's what we're doing tonight is introducing all that. Well, good. Go ahead. Well, you need to ask him. You need uh-huh. to ask Jimmy Church when he's going to have me on Fade to Black. You want to be on Fade to Black? <laughs> well, he said happen. he wanted me on, and then he seems to have—it uh, seems to have slipped his mind. And I don't know who his producer is. Uh, Matt, who's the producer of Fade to Black? You, or do you know somebody? Oh, like I, I got no clue. I got no clue. Well, We'll find That's out. Weird. All right, we'll, we're working on that test. So you and I got well, to team I'm up. Sure and I we'll... find out. Okay, well, well he's, do more, that. he's more likely to have me on if more people ask him than just me, myself. Anyway, well, I will be on uh, Caravan to Midnight with John B. Wells, but it's only for subscribers, so... I recommend waiting till it's on YouTube next year. <laughs> they wait a whole year to put them on YouTube, or they put the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how long they wait, but you can't listen live unless you subscribe. Oh wow! Okay, well you've been you helped start this back in 2012. You've been around with us since. You were doing radio, though, back then, weren't you? But you had to drive into town or something. And Do you remember 2012? Or how long you been no, doing I radio? Didn't have to, I didn't have to um, drive, but I was having Internet problems, so I was riding my bicycle down to the library. My show oh, okay. also went through Blog Talk, but... Um, I've been doing that again now that I have internet at home, but uh, I'm looking at new horizons and other things to do with my time. Oh, I have a, well, come back I have a, with us, you know, whenever you can. I have a small but loyal following, and they'll follow me anywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. Most of mine are radio hosts. <laughs> that's what I, they all like me on Facebook. So, But cause that's what Kimberly's going to come in. She's new with us, but actually she sounds like an old soul. And uh, she has past lives like I do and probably like you do, Tessa. So Kimberly is uh, a real pretty redhead, but she also does a brunette. I was a brunette, and I do red now. But Kimberly... Uh, you need to know Tessa Dick. I'm not don't know if you're familiar, but if you don't know who Philip K. Dick is, it's okay. But I, in my world of uh, researchers and science fiction writers, he's like a god. Okay, he's like Zeus or I don't know, just uh, Stargate yeah. superstar. He was I don't know. just a guy you could sit down and have a glass of wine and talk with him. It even make me. 
He'd, he'd make me either cook dinner for you or go get some Noggles burgers. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that sounds like a nice guy. Oh, I miss well, nice Noggles. Yeah, nice Tessa, to meet my, you. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm known I'm known as a mad painter, but my name's Thomas Becker. I I got a question I'd like to ask you about Philip, if you don't mind. <laughs> Sure. Uh, do you know how he got his inspiration? Oh, Lord. <laughs> From real life. <laughs> Things like that happened to him. Tell him about the light and tell him about the same. Amanda, do you know about the, the lady, the alien, that came to see him with the blue light? Or, But I'd like to hear Tess's version because you no, know, living I, with I, him. I, I didn't. I, I didn't really know much about him himself. Now I've read, you know, quite a few of his books. Pink light. I thought it was blue. <laughs> you right? Why did I come up with fire blue? bright? Fire bright was blue, but it was a little light that flitted around like a moth. The pink beam hit him in the eyes. Is the way he told it. Actually, we had a silvery sticker taped up in our window and uh, the reflection of the sunlight hit him and temporarily blinded him so when uh, he looked away he was seeing the rectangular shape of the sticker in pink phosphine activity but that was the beginning of a whole bunch of very strange mystical experiences. Can you tell uh, Ahmed how you see it? Because uh, I thought the I thought they the, one of the movies they portrayed you, didn't they? One of the younger girls, or do you say it was one of his other wives in the movie? Um. I'm not sure which movie you mean. Um, might be one I haven't seen, a documentary. It was a documentary <laughs> on YouTube or Netflix. Somebody did it. And, oh, uh, well, I, were, I was actually in it, several documentaries. Oh, well, maybe I, it was I you. Don't, <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot. You know, about 10 years ago, I bonked my head real good, and I haven't been the same since. I can tell you all about when I was two years old, but I can't remember when I'm supposed to see the doctor or go to a lioness meeting or whatever. <laughs> That's short term. Yeah, I understand. There's yeah, a name for that. I have... I have it all written down, but I forget where I put it. <laughs> well, you're, you're always fun, Tessa, and I think of the world of you. And, uh, you know, my whole company is, is just absolutely based on community and club and people like you that, you know, understand real reality turning to science fiction. And, uh, you know, a man's gotten to be a good friend of mine based on the fact that, 
reality does come true, but people don't really want to hear about it. They'd rather read it in science fiction. And we're starting to realize that, you know, Philip K. Dick sets example. He set a high bar, but unfortunately he didn't really get rich. You know, it's like the uh, struggling artist story, right? And then after he's gone, we're total recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger going to Mars and People, y'all got to see Total Recall. They've made another one, but the first one, there's nothing ever good as the first one. And uh, the oh, the other one was uh, the Adjustment Bureau. Wasn't that his, the Adjustment Bureau? Wasn't that Philip K. Dick? Yes. Yes. That is, oh, my God, folks. That is the most famous God movie, Alien E.T., Men in Black. Uh, you've got to see Adjustment Bureau. I mean, I, I could go on and on because – uh, I don't understand that E.T.'s brought me Philip K. Dick. Nobody. I've never read one of his books. I've, uh, I can't explain my relationship with Philip K. Dick, but it's very, very deep. It may be a past life. But living through alien E.T. experiences and finding out there was some famous person that did it and then seeing the movies and then loving the movies and, and not even knowing who the author was, but it strung together a chain of events in my life that were leading me down this spiritual path. And then uh, my husband and I got put together on a, a AET alien mission and a mad's got the book, but Tom and me loved total recall and we felt like we were the characters and uh he called me that we had lived a lot of that a mad the total recall with arnold schwarzenegger and sharon stone and he uh and i had some emotional trauma because sharon stone and i because he felt like i was the woman sent to make him you know but i wasn't a bad bad person it was keeping my husband but we had a similar story of keeping him from talking. And then George Filer, you know, picked up the story talking to me and he sort of wrote the story wrong. Like I was an evil character like Sharon Stone and Total Recall, but it was all Philip K. Dick. So when I met Tessa, Tessa Dick and I put all this together, Tessa, I did it with this radio show. And, you know, so you're partly responsible for our ACO club. So, you know, you just got to own that because there's something with you carrying all that and putting it together. So I guess I'm going to have to get me a Philip K. Dick bunch of books. But, Amanda, you understand, right? You can tell I get excited. <laughs> Amanda, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I just don't yeah, know now, what to do. See, I'm, I'm an aspiring writer, and I've read quite a bit of his work, and uh, and I really do feel that he had a – Inside edge. <laughs> yeah. Well, he'll change the course of science fiction from the nuts and bolts spaceships to explorations of people, humanity, personalities, and character. And the critics love to fault him for not having fully developed characters, but I think they're just plain wrong. When I read his books, oh, I, 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 I too, get into the people. Yeah? yeah he, he, Go ahead. He had, you, he had you fill in the pieces that he didn't add, and it made the story mean more to you. 
Well, I didn't come along till uh, a scanner darkly and flow my tears. The policeman said the earlier books, uh, I was and still a kid, didn't know him yet, but uh, he always had a feel for his characters, a, a sympathy with them. And and they especially criticize him for uh, the female characters, but he's got some really strong women in his novels, like uh, Juliana Frink in The Man in the High Castle. She's really the main character. Well, uh, Kimberly, Kimberly hasn't written her first book yet, but we're going to get her to work on it in 2020 for sure. Uh, put her whole story together. But Ahmed has really been writing as an author of science fiction. He's helped me get uh, my books ready. Uh, he's editing for me, but... Uh, Ahmed, you know, this is exciting because we didn't know this was going to happen. But uh, Ahmed, since you've read his books or anything, why don't you talk to her? I'm getting the feeling that me and Kimberly have no clue about the books. So this is embarrassing, (laughs) folks. (laughs) Kimberly, are you like me? You've never read a book? His books. Well, you might have seen the, the movies or the TV shows. The Man in the High Castle and Electric Dreams. Oh, yeah, Electric Dreams is my my favorite myself. Yeah, that's based on his story. Go ahead, Kimberly. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're fine. I was just saying I I'm not familiar, but I'm this is I'm I'm taking notes as as everybody's speaking <laughs> because that's just what I do. Well, um, they took electric. They took electric well, dreams, and that's what. Uh, uh, oh darn! Now I can't even think of the name of it. Uh, <laughs> well, that's good. Well, anyway, it's based on his short stories and. They don't have the same screenwriter for every story. They have a lot of different talent. But if you read only one book, make it Radio Free Albemuth. A-A-L-B as in boy, E, M as in mother, U-T-H, Albemuth, Radio Free Albemuth. It's the first novel that he wrote about his pink light experience, and I think it's the most cogent and readable. And, of course, his agent sent it back saying, nobody's going to publish this. I showed it to Doubleday, and they said, Phil's gone nuts. We can't publish this. (laughs) But you can buy it now. It's been published. All, and once Blade Runner, the 1982 movie, went into production, Phil could have copied the telephone book and they would have published it under his name. 
That that was what the name I was trying to come up with a minute ago. I was tongue tied. <laughs> was Blade Runner. Yeah, well, I I'm really disappointed in the new one. Uh, no, I have not seen the, it. Well, it's three hours, and something finally happens about two and a half hours in. <laughs> I don't fault the director. He is an artiste. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, he's a French-Canadian, and he's an, not just an artist, but an artiste. And that's the wrong kind of director for this film. I am so tired of dusky orange landscapes and dark blue interiors where you can't see what the characters are doing. It's very artistic, but two hours? (laughs) Yeah, That might um, have been the one I sat through, but I didn't like, so I may have seen that. I remember one being really dark, and I was disappointed, but I sat through it because it was about Philip K. Dick, or he wrote it, but... For some reason, the with the darkness, it didn't sink well. It didn't uh, bind yeah. well, I guess. It just came out last year. Well, it must have been and last year. I saw it at the end of the... I've seen... If it that wasn't it, it was another one, but it was dark, but it did have the pink thing in it. Vaguely, I think. Did he put the idea briefly in that one? In the dark movie? Could be. I I got I watched the whole thing t- three times because I wrote a book in which I tore it apart as a really bad movie. I enjoyed what? it, sort of, but it, oh man. It seems like it they has- showed just at the end or basically just a cameo appearance like he went to the door and opened the front door and a bright pink light hit his third eye or something real just touched on it no that's not Blade Runner that's something else in uh, the the recent sequel to Blade Runner Blade Runner 2049 we have a brand new cop chasing replicants and at the end he meets uh, Rick Deckard, the the original you know um, Harrison Ford Wow It's worth seeing once but I had to watch it three times to write about it and I got so tired of it Well it's the good with you half, making- Right? You were making a critique. The third of the three hours is pretty good. The first two hours, meh. So that's Blade Runner uh, 2049? Yeah, and there's serious problems with continuity. I don't know why I don't know about it. You think it's too much information out there? Because you can tell I'm a big movie goer for his movies, although I was involved. It's probably going to be available on Netflix or Amazon Prime because it was a flop. Great. Uh, Well, I guess it's good good or bad. 
it didn't even make back the cost of production in in the U.S. market. Did a little better in Europe. I wonder why. And it had a cameo appearance with uh, Harrison Ford at the end. And did he? Yeah, he's yeah. in the last uh, half hour to forty-five minutes. Huh. He's well, getting up there. Finally, too. gets interesting when they bring in Harrison Ford, but they okay. stuck on a happy, happy ending. I don't want to give you spoilers, but the ending is just this happy, happy ending that just doesn't fit the tone of the film. Well, <laughs> I got I'm a so question. Came quick. On. Go ahead. Yeah, please. We got 30 minutes yet to fill. So go ahead. <laughs> Tess, I got a question for you, hon. Do you find that the sure. books are better than the movies? That's what I thought because that's usually how it goes. They they take they don't take enough out of the books for the movies. Well, they're, they're quite different. At least different. that's what I find. And in the 1982 film Blade Runner, I think they just wanted to toss Phil some money because they used very little of his book in the movie. And, That's too uh, bad because, usually, like I said, the book is usually better. Yeah. I I have mixed feelings about Total Recall. It has Phil's sense of humor. But that's about it. And Blade Runner had his dark vision, which I think is superior to the humor, but Blade Runner lacked the humor that kind of gives you some relief from all the darkness. Even so, Blade Runner was better than Total Recall. I really liked Minority Report, even though it also diverges it's actually from a short story, not a novel. And they tend to be a little more faithful with the stories than with the novels. Because there are some things that work in a novel, but you cannot make them work in a film. But, uh, the most faithful, even so, even though they made many changes, is Radio Free Album with because they understood what they were working with. And their changes were simply to make it fit the format of film and the time frame, you know, that the movie would run. It had to get done in a little over an hour. And it has the pink beam. And the satellite, no, it's, it's really a lot like Phil's um, visions, the way he described them. But you need to keep in mind that Phil exaggerated, embellished, and made stuff up. But there is a real experience underneath all that. Real things happen to him. Wow. Is there anything particular that that you want to share with us about what really was and what was more embellished on? 
Well, let's see. He made out that our son's hernia was an immediate emergency and we had to rush him to the hospital. No, that wasn't it at all. First, he went to see the doctor, got referred to a specialist, and the specialist said, well, he has to be at least 14 months old before we can do the surgery for a hernia. But don't let him cry, because that, that, that could cause the hernia to get strangulated, and that could kill him. So from about August or September all the way to the next, it was either January or February, we could not let the baby cry. I ha- I got no sleep, and our baby got spoiled. <laughs> How old's the baby now? Well, he's a grown man in his 40s, and uh, he's doing quite well. I have a granddaughter who's all grown up. Wow. Well, uh, how many children did he have all together? You said he had five wives and none of them ever married. I guess uh, that speaks highly of him anyway. Nobody could meet his level of imagination. I'm not sure. Oh, Phil, for a minute I thought you meant my son. No, Phil um, had... Three children, each one with a different mother. Anne was Laura's mother, and Nancy is Issa's mother. He always wanted a son, and that's what he got with me. So, so did I guess you name I gave him, him Junior. Did you no. name him Junior? No, Christopher. And his last name is Dick? Of course. You know, people have trouble with our last name. They don't, they want to call me Mrs. Tessa. So I just tell them I married one. I married one. (laughs) Then they chuckle and then they can handle it. Oh, okay, maybe it's hard to talk about because it took on other yeah, I, connotations. I get I censored in chat rooms. I have to get creative with my last name. Okay. Because well, they yeah, think it's I, a password. <laughs> I had no clue that was your phone number or anything, but it, it just, I thought I recognized your voice. Let me see who this is real quick. 520, you're live and on the air. The last half of TGMRCT Radio with Tessa Dick. Uh, who's this? Yeah, hello. This is Augie. Augie, nice. This is Tessa Dick. Have you interviewed her? She's a great interviewee no. if you want to have her on your show. This, she's married to Philip K. Dick. Uh, oh, my God. All of these movies. And she's a great speaker. And, uh, Good writer and good radio host. So, uh, Tessa, meet Augie Nost. Augie, introduce yourself to her. Well, yeah, this is Augie, and uh, I guess that's such a unique name that I hardly ever use my last name, but it works, kind of. So, uh, Hello there. Yeah. 
I do a, a couple of radio shows. So uh, yeah, that sounds interesting. I uh, I haven't. Uh, I just found my invitation here to to call in, and I don't really know what you guys are talking about. But it's, so far, I've heard what is interesting. Uh, huh. I'll say Dick. Uh, movies, Minority Report. I don't know. Augie may not see movies or know the books, but uh, Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sharon Stone, Blade yep. Runner, which reshaped uh, all of us in sci-fi land. Blade Runner, you know, affected so many people. Uh, terms of uh, not terms of endearment. Uh, Minority Report, but uh, oh, um, help me out here, Tessa. What's the one with the guy okay. in it? Uh, adjustment Bureau. And then the short stories. Help, Augie. She well, is also, paycheck. Go ahead. Screamers. Um, uh-huh. Oh, now I'm blanking. There's a remake yeah, of uh, Total Recall. Oh, Radio yeah, Free I, Albemuth, of course. Okay. Yeah, I've seen most of those movies that you mentioned. Uh, you know, they're big time movies. Uh, they were very interesting, and of course I, I am think... a Star Trek fan. So uh, you know, anytime that there's something with uh, spacecrafts in it, I feel like home. Oh well, Phil was not a trekker. I was at one time, but they've stretched out the franchise to the point where it's like, oh no, not another spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love my Star Trekkers and my Star Warriors too, and I've got a Facebook for all my Star Trekkers and Star Warriors out there. So, folks, we've been joined by Augie Nost. I'm going to spell his name for you: A A G E space N O S T. Augie Nost. He's from Mor- Norway, but I believe he's an American citizen now in Tucson and. He's uh, been on radio for a long time, and he was a pilot, and uh, he's spent many years helping other people, and he loves to do think tanks, and uh, he's written books, and uh, they haven't been made a movie yet, but he's still alive. So he's he's one of our age groups uh, sitting right there, and so he's seen the movies. That's great, Augie. I have more faith in you now. And I didn't know you were a Star Trekker either. So, Tessa, I'm still learning about Augie. He's a friend of uh, Ahmad's. They were both uh, uh, announced a radio host over at uh, Revolution Radio. I think you've been on my show, uh, Cosmos Connection on Revolution, before a few times, too. Yeah. But, uh, we'll have uh, Augie interview you, maybe. Uh, Augie, uh, make sure she gets over on the one in Germany, if you don't mind. You could do that, right? Arrange it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah oh, we good. could probably do that. Yeah. Okay, I'll make it sure you've got her phone English. number. I used to be fluent in German, but I've forgotten too much. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, I went to college. I went to college to learn German so I could understand what Phil was saying when he didn't want me to know what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it always starts there, you know. You always learn the good word first, and then you learn the language. <laughs> uh, well, well I, I know a few mild cuss words. Yeah. One question. Does 
Frau and Simmer really mean prostitute? I, I, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. Say again. Okay. Phil said that Frau and Simmer meant prostitute. You know, Was I'm that not, correct? Uh, no. Clown. No, I don't think yeah, I don't think so, but I'm not so sure of the word either. So, uh, well, it's I, like I Frau, Frau and women, Simmer, Room. Yeah, I think he was wrong, but he insisted. Yeah, that uh, could be, but I guess I never walked in those circles where we used that word, possibly. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I can say cursed, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. say it in English or German, but uh, yeah. danged. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know a lot of, of uh, slang. Yeah, that anyway, is. I'd be happy to be on a show if, you, if you're on Facebook. Send me a friend <laughs> request. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess the, the, a lot of the slang words, we'll leave them alone because this is a family show, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I don't cuss on Facebook either. Well, it has its place. You know, there is uh, more and more competition to out there and uh, Facebook needs some competition because they have become a little big-headed about what they do. And uh, Facebook is going to have some hard times, not probably this year, but the coming year they are going to... uh, um, uh, I see some lawsuits basically getting close to bankrupting them, and probably that's a good thing. Yeah, too much censorship. Yeah, they need to be jacked up a little bit. I do cuss when I'm all by myself and the computer won't do what I want. Yeah. (laughs) That happens. Yes. Oh, wow. Anyway, Phil was uh, amazing. He was impossible to live with. But I'm also impossible to live with. Well, you're using the word impossible, and uh, that is one word that you've got to be very careful with because chances are that the impossible today becomes very possible tomorrow. Well, that's an idiomatic American expression. Yeah, I it know. doesn't I... literally mean impossible. It yeah. just means he was very frustrating. Well, that can happen. It's, well, he worked at home. And when people came to visit, they never said, gee, Phil is a lousy housekeeper. Hmm. Or Phil is a bad cook. Or why doesn't Phil clean the cat's litter box? Hmm. You know, it all fell on me, and I had a little 
baby to raise. He was daddy's uh, boy, but I did the hard the full, work. That's a full-time job. Right. My son's first words were not mama. His first word was dada. Oh. Daddy's boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks a lot like his father, too. Yeah. Very well, much that's... like him. Yeah, that's yeah, a good thing. He... Yeah, that that's probably a good thing because think of what would happen to him if he looked like you. Oh, he'd be gorgeous. Yeah, but I'm thinking uh, a boy looking like a girl, that could be tough in school. <laughs> True. Oh, and I was a redhead. When I was yeah. young, I had red hair. Now it's kind of uh, brown and gray. No, but red hair is classy. Yep. Well, I'm mostly Scottish. Uh-huh. Tiny bit of Irish and some Welsh and some Viking. You know, those, those Norman French who... Invaded England a long time ago. Yeah. The Norman Conquest in 1066. Yeah, well, they were not French at all, but they lived in France because they conquered part of it. Normandy, in fact. (laughs) That's why they were Norman French. Anyway, my ancestors were part of the entourage. Yeah, if you have a uh, Viking blood in you, you can't be all bad. I can trace my ancestry back to about 1400-something, and I'm supposed to be uh, of Viking lineage, too. Well, they say that most Germans today are more Viking than German, and yeah. most most French today are actually descended from the Germani, the Germans. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's uh, they are. They sure have a special way of thinking. I tried to learn French. I decided that you you it can't you cannot learn French unless you're crazy. And well, if you learn fans, French, it, uh, if you learn dying, French, right? it makes you crazy, right? Yeah, it's a dying language anyway, and uh, a lot of the young people now coming coming out of uh, college in Paris and around France, they uh, get together and they speak English. Oh. Because they know that in the world today, if you don't know English, you're not going to do anything outside of your own country, and they want to think on a global scale, and they want to act in a global (laughs) arena, so they start uh, speaking and perfecting their English. Wow. I I know that many Europeans know English. <clears throat> everybody. Well, or yeah. everybody under the age, under the age of uh, probably 60, yeah. Because you wow. can't get out of high school in Europe anywhere 
unless you know, know three languages. Three. Yeah. Well, you know, if you learn Spanish and Italian or Spanish and Portuguese, that's not really two languages. Well, uh, yeah, really. it kind of is. There's a lot of differences, but uh, uh, I think, though, well, that uh, Italian is going away, too. It's becoming. I can't understand th- Australians, and they speak English. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're a little weird down there. They they walk upside down too, so you know it's really scary. <laughs> but oh, uh, I no, we I think Italian. Not... Italian I wish is we had more away. time. Really? Yeah. I have two Facebook friends in Italy, and they both have very good English. Yeah. Which is good because I. I can't make out a lot of Italian. It's funny, though. So many Americans don't know any other languages. Yeah. And when I was... I had Spanish in high school. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they taught us stupid things like um, my cousin choked on the grapes. How how am I going yeah. to use that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or no, I lost no, I, my notebook. <laughs> oh well. Any anywhere else in the world that that this there is this joke going around, and that is that you know what you call a person that knows three languages, right? Right. They're multilingual, right? Right. Yeah. What about someone that knows two languages? What do you call them? Oh, bilingual. There you go. What do you call someone that only knows one language? Stupid? No, you call them Americans. Oh, Americans. Well, I... And that's a shame because... Anywhere yeah. that you go in the world today, you can use uh, um, you can use English just about anywhere on Main Street. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 you know, even in Hong Kong, I, I walked into a bank and they speak English. Everybody in there, perfect English. And uh, anywhere else you get outside of Main Street, you got a problem with just English. So uh, well, that's something that, that, that's got to change over here. The attitude that Americans, well, if you don't speak my language, then I don't want to deal with it. Oh, yeah, you're going to deal all right because the world is coming to you. The world right. is coming to well, us. One time, like my car broke, one time my car broke down late at night and a truck driver stopped to help me. And he spoke only Spanish, but I knew oh. enough Spanish to to communicate with him. Yeah. So it's good that I learned some Spanish. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, where I live, we get a lot of German tourists, and sometimes I can get them to talk to me for a few minutes and have a conversation. Yeah. But the last time, it was a woman and her teenage son. 
I could understand her, but I could not understand her son. He spoke slang, German slang. Well, you know, you got high high German and low German, and then the people down in Bavaria, they don't really speak Germans either. Uh, I mean, they're they're a little different. Yeah. uh, Well, I I call mine Schuldeutsch, school German. uh Yeah. Phil's German was terrible. (laughs) I learned that when I learned German. Yeah, yeah. Well, the languages in Europe is normalizing. They're approaching each other, just like Italiano. That is a dying language, just like the French is. And uh, it's going away. It's going to become Spanish. And well, the Spanish, they're starting the to words. import. Yeah, they're importing words from English. And like in Norway or in Sweden and Denmark right now, they are importing English words into their language that becoming commonplace and used in the normal uh, dialect and language. So it is approaching itself to uh, basically come back to 100, 200 years from now, if we're we're still allowed to continue, then we will have one universal language. In fact, I know it will be. Except for Chinese. Huh? Except for Chinese. Yeah, they will normalize themselves towards more like Korean and some of the uh, uh, Japanese dialects and things like that. There will be a um, an approaching of the different languages together there also with a form of normalization. So uh, I don't think Chinese is going to go away for a while because too many people and too many um, customs and uh, traditions that have to be upheld Right, and they all—they can all read Chinese newspapers. They say a different word, but they write it the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know much Chinese. Uh, I think I can count the words on one hand. Well, I don't really know any Chinese, but I do know that they don't call their country China. <laughs> uh, uh, one, I can count the one. 10 in Japanese because my son taught me when he studied uh, judo, he would count his exercises in Japanese. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's good exercise. So, me, and so forth. Ah, oh, wow. But I love languages, and I try to learn as much as I can. I can read most European languages if I have a, a dictionary. I like the Longenscheid dictionaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But speaking and listening are different from reading. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I am better at uh, understanding. And uh, when it comes to the spelling of the languages anymore, I uh, <laughs> lost a lot. I haven't practiced. You know, there's not too many people in Tucson that speaks other languages. Right. Well, 
I hope more Americans learn at least Spanish. I'm in California, in Southern California, so we have many Spanish-speaking people here. Yep, and that's good. It's it's important to, to communicate. Yeah, I know it. And then, uh, yeah, we should uh, we should not look down on people that have a problem speaking in English because there's one good thing about them that they know another language, and uh, whoever is criticizing them for not knowing language, they probably do not know another language. When I was teaching, I told my Chinese students they would say they were sorry they didn't speak good English and I always told them your English is a lot better than my Chinese (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh we're down to three minutes here yep I see that wow too bad the show isn't longer Well, um, I, uh, actually, we're down what? to the last of the show. We started earlier tonight. Uh, well, we started at 9, so can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Ahead, it's time to close up. we got three minutes. Tessa, we'll have you back with Augie, too, uh, Saturday or Sunday, if you'd like to come on the weekends. Just let us know. And We're going to be booking people on the 21st. We've got... Uh, Dr. Sam is Montagich, and we're going to talk about Bosnia and pyramidology and things like that. And uh, we're going to be setting up some more shows now that I'm willing to work. So I'm back. After, I think Saturday would work, but not Sunday. Okay. Well, we'll have uh, Augie. Uh, Augie, what Saturday look like for you? I have a meeting. Uh, uh, we have we have a UFO meeting uh, here in town, and that wipes out the whole uh, last half of the day for me. All right. Well, Tessa, uh, we'll get you back with Augie, and you guys uh, can talk yeah. about Europe, and he can get you on his uh, German show with his uh, partner over there in Germany and uh, have some fun talking about Philip K. Dick. I love talking about his books and movies, but since Augie's seen the movies, uh, I'm sure he'd love to have Tessa on. And uh, this is the ACO Club. Augie has joined us, and Tessa Dick is one of our oldest members back to 2012. And uh, Kimberly has been silent, but Kimberly is our newest member. So Kimberly O'Connor, folks, find her on Facebook, and uh, we'll be talking with Kimberly more on uh, Sunday. And so anybody that can, we're going to have a Sunday spiritual show. So Sunday is our spiritual show, Higher Mind, Closer to the Cosmos. We're going to have the uh, metaphysical ministries on Sunday. So come back and see us. Ahmed, thank you. I had no idea all this was going to happen, but wonders never cease to amaze me, Ahmed. Kimberly, thank you. And awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. So, um uh, Augie, just get with uh, with uh, me and Ahmed, and you've got my phone number, Tessa. My my phone number, yep. Tessa, 850 I got it. I got it. Uh, got it? Facebook me, because okay. I'm not sure. All right, Tessa, I will. But you always Tessa, know we're It was gonna... nice meeting you. 
All right. Well, Tess, nice meeting you. And Augie, thanks for for coming on the show as well. It was good hearing from you again. All right. Well, then we will talk again soon. Yeah, everybody, this is a Facebook group, please. Augie, you're on Facebook, and Tessa Dick is on Facebook. Everybody remember, we're all ACO Club here on uh, ACO Radio, TJ Mars ET Radio is the brand, and we're on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Freaker, iHeartRadio, and please add us and uh, grow with us because we're going to do more of the Philip K. Dick science fiction groups and Tessa Dick. And uh, Tessa, well, I want to hear more about that that uh, thing you went to, and we'll do an article on it and stick it up on our our uh, some of our websites. So everybody, thank you, and look for us on Saturdays and Sundays. We're coming back, and probably will be 9 Eastern, unless we're doing Europe with Augie Nost, and that'll be 3 o'clock on Tuesday, I think, if we keep that spot. But we'll let you know. So, love and light, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tessa. That was awesome. And I'll have a, a time where we'll just do a tribute to Philip K. Dick real soon. Thank you, everybody. Can't wait to do more shows. And we're going uh, video too.